gathering storm comes a tall handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand my next guest is a 31 year old from essex although he's made his name with the cardiff devils organization having been there since 2011 making over 600 Elite League and Challenge Cup appearances while adding 22 caps for the Great Britain national senior team. In his tenure with the Devils, it's been very successful picking up two league titles, two Challenge Cups and three playoff titles. This year sees him enter his testimonial year, which we're pumped for. And I can't wait to welcome him to the show, Mr. Josh Batch. Thanks for joining 4,000 Counting, Batchy Boy. Thanks for having me. It's a long overdue, but uh, as was- Hell of an introduction. I'm blushing already. So uh, yeah, thanks for that. And uh, glad to be here. Mate, that's some serious serious games you've logged in the Elite League. I mean, I, I think to be precise, not including playoffs and not including the Elite Series and all that other shit, you're at six, 640 between League and Cup. It's not bad. Yeah, it's crazy. It's, um, it's kind of snuck up on me, to be honest, but still still a way off catching uh, Richie. I think he he's over 900 now, probably closer to 1,000. So uh yeah, hopefully I can get close to him one day. Probably a thousand shot blocks too. Oh yeah, easy. <laughs> Just eats pucks. Yeah, yeah. He doesn't make it easy on himself either. How important would you say, like, for having that longevity? Someone like Mark Richardson, who touched on there, he is in extremely good shape. He's always kind of looked after himself for for as long as I can remember. How important is it for those guys that are wanting to have long careers to focus on the fitness and the health side of it and look after yourself? Yeah, I think everyone knows Richie is a, uh, the perfect human. He's like you say, he really looks after his looks after his body, keeps himself in good shape. Um, he's always preparing his own food for like after practice, like that kind of stuff. And um, I just think it just goes to show that's why he's <clears throat> he's stuck around as long as he has and played at such a high level. Um, I think you, another example would be like someone like you've got Cristiano Ronaldo, like keeps himself in top nick. Whereas like some other players who, who played with along the way have like fell off and all that stuff just catches up with you eventually. I think like if you're all drinking, eating crap, it just kind of slowly eats away at you. And the Richie's like the, the epitome of doing the opposite, you know, and that's why he's still around playing at, playing for GB and one of the top guys on in the league. Even when like watching you boys in the Champions Hockey League and stuff like that, play, playing out in Europe, like he he just looks like he should be there doesn't matter what yeah. level you stick him at world championship pool a he looks like he should be there yeah he's just pure classes and he just effort, effortless out there at times and yeah just reads the game well and does all the things that like some people might not notice but like when you've been around the team and stuff you see all the small stuff he does that helps you helps you win and that's why he's been a captain and been on success, successful teams his whole career so it's been a it's but it's a big year for you all round. Congratulations. Married this married this summer, eh? Yeah. Um I got, got the plaque on the wall actually. Oh, we, there we uh, go. <laughs> that was on the camp event. How was the stag do? Because when I was just having a little Facebook creep, I saw you had a couple of beauties on that. <laughs> like Joe Myers on that there. Yeah, it was quite small actually. It was um it was originally planned for like before COVID. So in the year that it got delayed, like this a lot of people had stuff come up, like babies and moving house and stuff. So it was only um it was only five of us in the end. It was me, Ben Davies, Joe Myers, and then a couple of guys from home. You might recognize them. Danny Hammond played for Chelsea. Yep. Yeah, yeah, I know Danny. Is he still good looking as fuck, that kid? Oh, yeah. He's it's just a man rocket, eh? Yeah, he's just had another baby, actually. He's, um, oh, congrats to him as well. Too, yeah. 
Uh, and then my other mate, Will Paulson from Chancellor as well, we played played with him growing up. So yeah, it was a good bunch. You touched on it there, growing up in Chelmsford. I said in the intro, you're from Essex. You learnt your hockey over there before you kind of moved over and you bounced around a couple of teams in the States. What was it like growing up in Chelmsford? Obviously, uh, you same sort of ages as Danny and those guys? Yeah, a couple of years young. I think just a year younger than Danny and like hockey. Um, but yeah, we had... When first coming up, we weren't like weren't the hottest team, but... Um, do you remember Martin Parfi? He was like he was the yeah. Indian coach. Yeah, yeah, I remember he was him. there, and um, he kind of brought the like the junior development along. And we had by the time we were like under under sixteens, eighteens, we were, we were like going to nationals and stuff. It was we had a pretty good uh, pretty good age group. And uh, funnily enough, it was like us and Cardiff usually were like we were like the biggest rivals. So like playing against Ben Davies and Crispy and all those all those boys, but. Um, yeah, we always had a we had a good group in Chelsea. We was we always had a good laugh, and um, yeah, it was uh, yeah. I think we we were in the B League in I think fourteens, and kind of like we got promoted, and then by the time we were sixteens, eighteens, like I say, we were like winning the league and stuff. So it's yeah, a lot of fun memories back in the back at the Riverside. When you when you were, I think God, you must have only really been sixteen or seventeen. You you played a couple of games up with the EPL Chieftains. What what was it like getting the call up and playing with those boys? Because looking looking at the roster, like Kyle Amiot, Dwayne Ward, some names from the old school EPL that everyone will be fucking yeah. loving right now. All right, who else is on there? Timsey, the Cotton Boys. That must have been a fun locker room to go in. Yeah, it was good. It was it was a shame it got cut short, really, because that was. I think I was I was I think I was fifteen at the time maybe, and uh, Liam Chung was playing as well. But they, that was a year they brought in the rule where uh, under sixteens can't play with a men's team. Oh, that's because someone got their knickers in a twist because Chongy and you were playing up, and then yeah, uh, they brought in the Chelms- Chelmsford. Well, allegedly, I don't know how yeah. that's still being kept under wraps. Fucking fifteen years later, it's insane that nobody's just like just yeah. put the put the cold hard facts out there, but. Like you say, it's a shame for it to cut, be cut short. And we've obviously, we've seen the backlash of that over the last 15 years of having those guys at 15 that are not quite old enough, but good enough to be certainly skating with a national team or mm-hmm. a national one team. It's a shame. Is is it something you think we should potentially be looking at? Like almost like what they do in the OHL, WHL, the, C- well, the CHL as a whole, where you get like special dispensation. If, if you're 15, you can play mm-hmm. major junior. Do you think we should maybe be looking at something like that within the UK hockey structure? Yeah, I think so. I think it's no secret that like when the, the top talent in the, in the juniors, like they get to kind of around that age and the level kind of the gap between the, the top and the bottom widens and kids are either left with an option either go abroad to like find that competition or or they stay in the UK and they're kind of playing at a level where they're head and shoulders above everyone and then they're just not developing and like for me personally that was one of the big reasons why I went to America in the end was because I was going to have to stay in and uh, you know just play play juniors whereas I kind of wanted a bit more of a challenge so I think if if kids are playing up with the with bigger stronger players it's only going to improve their development um but yeah this could be something to look at obviously I'm, i don't know the legal the legal aspect of it of junior uh, like uh minors playing with men and all that stuff which obviously was why they brought that rule in but um if they can figure a way out to do that where it's safe for everyone i don't see why why it wouldn't be a good thing for the players you touched on going abroad there you ended up with the california titans under under 18 so midget triple a what did you make yeah. of leaving 
Britain under 16, under 18, and then rocking up to a AAA standard hockey. Oh, it was a massive eye-opener, for sure. Like, growing up in the UK, if you're like one of the best kids on the team, you sort of, you think you're like the big dog. And you go over, because you're playing for England and all that kind of stuff, and uh, you go over there and you're just like, just like another player, you know, and there's, there's thousands of kids who are the same level as you and there's thousands who are way better. So it was, it was eye-opening in that sense. And, um, yeah, it was a great experience. I obviously got to live in California, which you couldn't really ask for a better place to live. Um, but yeah, but it was, uh, yeah, it was a great experience overall. How did the opportunity come around to end up playing out in California? So we had a guy called Mike, uh, Pilon. He, he ran some hockey camps in Chelmsford. And uh, he also had a thing called a showcase. I forget the name of the the company, but they they ran these showcase events in Chicago, maybe elsewhere as well. I'm not too sure. Uh, which was basically every, all these kids would go there in the summer, and it'd just be full of scouts from other like other teams around the US. And um, yeah, so he invited me. I think me, Danny Hammond, who we mentioned earlier, and Andy Finn went out there. Oh yeah, I know Andy Finn as well. Yeah, and. Um, so yeah, Danny, Danny and Andy, they both went to the same place in Columbus, I think separate years, but, and then, yeah, I ended up going, my first year was in Colorado, but yeah, it was just through, uh, through the guy that did the hockey school in Chelmsford and yeah, just a bit of luck really. What was it, what was it like then going on to play in, uh, EMGH at JHL with the Bay State Breakers? Obviously you've gone from, gone from midget up to junior again, was there a considerable jump? No, so that league wasn't really, it was quite a bad standard, to be honest, compared to like the um, the leagues you've probably heard of, like the, you got the USHL, which is like the best junior league in the US. And under that, you, you had the NAHL, which I think has now changed names potentially. You know, it's still uh, the same. They, yeah, yeah, still the same league. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so I was, I, I was meant to play in the, uh, in the NAHL as tendered with the team, but didn't make the went to main camp and didn't make this team. So then they had like a connection in Bay State, went out there, but they only had uh, two imports on their their like first team. So that the team in the EMJHL was like their it was like a junior B team and it was probably a worse standard than AAA to be honest. Oh, okay. For you, are you thinking, fuck, I want to get out of Dodge now. Like this hasn't really yeah. worked out. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, exactly. Is that why you came back to the Elite League? Yeah, basically. So um well, no, that's, that's it. That's it. Essentially, I was my goal was to try and get a college scholarship. That was like the the dream. But I think at that point I was nineteen, so I kind of I was like, well, I don't think it's happening anymore. So thought it's time to come back and just kind of see what I could do over here. So, how did you end up landing in Cardiff? And when you signed there, did you ever imagine ten years later you'd still still be uh, putting on the Devils uniform? No, definitely not. It was just um, just by chance, really. I, um, I was friends with Ben Davis and Sam Smith, who um, they both played for the Devil Devils a year before. Um, just so happened to like send them a message, and I think the year before, uh, sorry, that year I think was the year before was Alex Simmons last year for the Devils. Yeah. So it just turned out they were looking for uh, like a British defenseman. So just like a stroke of luck, really, that I showed up when they were looking for someone. And then I came down in the summer one day. We did like a four and four scrimmage, and that was like my tryout, basically. And that was it. I was here, here on a came me down in August or whenever it was, and uh, 
yeah been around since you played with a couple of guys i'm going to touch on from that roster first of all uh scott matska obviously yeah. we we saw his battle it was a very public battle and they raised so much money mm-hmm. um through the matska foundation and I, I believe you can still donate to that right now so if you if you want to check out the website and go and make a donation please do um what was it like playing with scott because he was a hell of a player and obviously he touched a lot of life sadly before he passed away yeah definitely for me for me personally like like we said i was in the, the league i was in before i came back to cardiff the standard wasn't very high so coming in as a fresh-faced i think i was 19 or 20 seeing someone of his caliber and his just like how professional he was and like he was obviously a, a grown man and um very intense it was like he was a bit intimidating at first for like a for someone who was new to the like pro hockey but he was uh like a great role model in the sense of just how he carried himself and the passion he had and uh just his whole like kind of attitude towards towards the game you know um but yeah obviously it's terrible that what happened to him and what him and his family had to go through and his kids but um I think obviously he made the best of that situation by raising so much awareness and raising so much money. And like you say, like still raising money to the day for, uh, for the cause. And, um, basically it's such an awful disease. So yeah, that was tough to see happen. But, um, like I say, we can, all we can do is try and remember him for, uh, the great guy he was, um, great player, great, great, uh, teammate, family man. And, uh, yeah, just try and honor him in that way and everything we do, I guess. Yeah, I love it. He was uh, he was definitely well thought of within UK hockey. Another another man, former podcast guest, Mister Luke Piggott. Pigsy, yeah. um, how what's it like being around that guy? Because obviously he's pretty much he's he's he ended up being the new Neil Francis. One week he was playing, then the next week he was on the bench coaching yeah. the clipboard. But obviously when we we had him on here. We talked about all like the breast cancer trial drugs and stuff that he's doing and the deals he's trying to make with like the amount of money he's trying to get to get these things over the line. Did he like share a lot of that with you boys in the room? And did you boys take a lot of interest because he's a fucking clever dude? Yeah, I think everyone was interested in it, but it was just like, he's such like a, what do you call like galaxy brain. It's just like, I don't think he could really make it understandable to us. Just like the stuff he was doing was just like, like I'm sure he told you it's, just stuff we can't really comprehend with our little hockey monkey brains. But, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's cr- crazy because he's like just one of the boys, and then he, he'd go off to uh, like cure cancer in the afternoons, which is wild. But, but like you say, is um, what he's doing now is it must be he's got a lot on his plate trying to get the funding to to get the drug in production. But um, it's awesome to see we'll see what he's done living in Switzerland now. You know, like that's that's crazy. But not bad, not a bad gig. Yeah, and, um, and then you got the other side of him. He's he's like one of the best guys to go out with because he's just he gets pretty loose, you know. But <laughs> good old pigs. <laughs> yeah, we miss having him around for sure. He's, he's a great lad. I mean, I, he was my he was my left winger through my whole junior career. Like he's a Bainstoke boy, same age as yeah. me. So to see what he went on and done is is fantastic. The elite league was a bit of a a bit of a tougher place back then. You had a couple of boys on the roster that uh, knew how to mix it up. Brad Voth yeah. and Chris Frank. Chris Frank had 296 pims in 50 games that year. What, <laughs> what, what, what was Frankie like? He's, it's probably, I mean, it's not even, probably won't even be shocking because it's like the typical story of uh, the guy on the ice who you think 
is kind of a bit of a like a head case, but off the ice is soft spoken, really genuine, caring guy. Um, like couldn't ask for anything more of him as a teammate and as a friend. Um, but yeah, that was a, he was a good guy to have in the team as well. He kind of he wished, took me under his wing a little bit and like showed me a few tricks to uh, protect myself when there was some. He was it was a guy a guy on Coventry I think Brian Uranek yeah he was like he was like taking runs at me one game I'm not sure why and he's like next time he does that get your elbow in his face so I, I did it and he like <laughs> I think he got pissed off and came at me but he's like it was good to pick up some of those things from Frankie he was a he was a wild card what about Voffa because I mean anyone that's anything to do with Cardiff will tell you what an impact he had on the the Cardiff hockey scene over the years. Yeah, I know. I think he's he's like one of the one of the legends of the club for sure. Um, I think that my year he was he had a lot of problems with his back, so I don't think he finished the season from where played twenty twenty five games that year. He played that was it. Yeah, which which was a shame. But I still want to see you know what is what he does in the sense of he would just absolutely like demolish guys and just like line people up. But for someone that big as well, he could. He had really good hands. He skated well and obviously scored a lot, which is such a rare combination. But yeah, I was just lucky to lucky to meet him and have him as a teammate. Um, just for those that short time I did, just because he's such a such a legend in Cardiff. The, the following season, 2012-2013, saw Paul Bissonette come over to be the Sydney Crosby of Cardiff, according to him. Um, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we've had some great stories. Joe Myers told um, the story that, that he told on Chicklets about the fucking running shoes. Oh, like yeah, his, Joe his, Myers. Joe Myers two-touch shoes. Have you got any good big stories from your time playing with him? I know he was only here for a short time, but it seemed that he, uh, he made quite an impression on the boys. Yeah, well, I lived with him, actually. It was me. I was living with him and uh, Devin Dijamiti, so I was... It was a that was an interesting living arrangement, but to be fair to him, I was because I was already there. I had the like the second room. Deeds had the master bedroom, and the third room was kind of like it was a it's weird room. We're in like a duplex apartment, so there was this just this odd room that had a had its own door into the hallway. But I was like, oh, I'll move into that room if you want. He's like, no, it's fine. Like you've been there, I'll take the the box room, or whatever. Um, but yeah, that for. I don't, have you heard the story about the first night that we went out? Yeah, go on. <laughs> yeah, so it was... I don't, Do you know the George brothers as well? I don't. No, I don't know the no? George brothers. Oh, you have to meet them next time you're down. But they're, um, they're two brothers who are just kind of friends of the team and they they kind of show all the new guys a good time good time in Cardiff when they come come here. So um, obviously they're like Paul Bissonette's here. We're going out first night. It was... I think it was... Uh, it's bad to say this, but it was a, I think it was a night before our game we had in in Brayhead. Um, so we go out, have a few. I think me and me and the other room deeds. We went home before biz, and we had the the door on the apartment was one of those deadbolts. So like when you shut the door, it's just automatically locked from the outside. So he didn't have biz didn't have a key. He was out for like a couple more hours or whatever. And by all accounts, he came back knocking on the door. Me and deeds are just passed out. He can't get in. They're, they're sleeping in Chris George's car for a bit. They get like women, a lady that work for the team. They're like driving around, well, not driving because they were drinking, but there was, they were ringing this girl from the team, like 
I think she picked them up. I think they slept at her house for a bit. They came back. Then they were like asleep in the hallway outside the apartment. And my, I think my alarm went off like seven o'clock. We had to be there for a 7.15 because we were busting to Brayhead. It was like just hear a banging on my door. He's like, like going ballistic. He's like, why the hell would you lock me out? Like, <laughs> I was like, I didn't lock you out. It's just the door closed and I was passed out. But yeah, so we like scrambling around to get our stuff ready to leave. We get, get to the rink on time, I think just about. And then, we get on the bus and Biz just lays down in the aisle, like <laughs> between all the seats. And I think he, I don't think he, he got, sat laid down and didn't move and muscle until we got to the rink in Brayhead. So that's like nine hours later. Solid, solid nap. Yeah. So I think it was a pretty mix of like jet lag and a late night or whatever. But um, it was Chris Blight who kind of he knew Biz from playing in somewhere on the coast, I think, and it was kind of his connection that got him over. And the coach said to him, "It was like, Blight, like what the hell? Like you, you took you vouch for this guy. He came over and he's like just slept the whole way on the bus. <laughs> he's like, oh, I don't know what to tell you. Like, oh, anyway. But the boy, yeah, so first first Sorry, trip of the game, he picks up a puck behind the net. I think he go, goes in to earn scoops for like the whole Brayhead team. Like if someone's a backdoor tap in, like first shift." <laughs> <laughs> playing guilt, was, playing guilty, eh? Yeah, and that was a. Uh, I think that was the start of his run, and I think he had like his way over a point a game, wasn't he? Yeah, he, he, uh, well, I've got it right here. He had six plus fifteen in eleven games, so he had twenty-one points in eleven games. It's probably, yeah, so. probably his career totals, and he got <laughs> in eleven games in the elite. Thing. Yeah, some try like my career totals to be honest, but. Uh, <laughs> Well, as you can say, it was it was great to have him around. He's like such a character, as as everyone knows. But um, yeah, it was funny. Just obviously, our our league at the time being in the ten, it was just I don't think it was something he was really prepared for. But yeah, um, you know, never really like bitch about. He like got on with it. Always was like always messing around with the boys, and obviously giving Joey Meyer shit for his. Uh, he had those like you remember those shoes everyone had in school, like white trainers they're like plimsolls but they just slipped on your feet yeah yeah you had like an old pair of those and they had holes in so we just had like hockey taped them from like halfway down <laughs> and Biz was like Biz has gone from playing with millionaires the guys have like hockey taped their shoes together <laughs> <laughs> i actually yeah. when we had joe on joe actually sent us a picture of the trainers and they're the most fucking beaten up they should have been like in the bin three years ago and they're just being taped oh, back yeah. together and taped back together. Um, another beauty you played with that year, Maxi, Maxim Brebert. Well, what was it like playing with that guy? He just fucking loved to smoke people, eh? Yeah, he was my roommate my first year, actually. Um, so he was another character to live with. I had some some interesting roommates my first couple of years. Um, probably a, the root cause of a lot of my own issues, but <laughs> well um, i mean it's a it's an education when you when you come into the league you get stuck with a couple of beauties like that and yeah well you're still there can't have been that bad yeah no it was good i opened my eyes up to a few things i'll say uh just to not get anyone in trouble but yeah he was um another guy similar to frankie he was and like Vosta, like we had some guys that would demolish people but um yeah, Max is another guy like always getting himself in good shape. And yeah, he was uh one of those players that could do it all. And especially in that in the tent, you know, with a small ice, he would he would line people up, get him much trolley tracks, and yeah, he'd leave a few people uh pretty injured. 
I'm gonna gonna fast forward. We're gonna skip the next season. Go into the 2014-2015 season because this is the first first time getting your hands on a bit of uh, silverware for the Devils. Obviously, yeah. on, on on that, I'm just looking at the roster there. You got Joey Martin, who was an absolute stud. Jake Morissette, friend of the show, Mister Two Ales and Hockey Tales, Mister Brent Walton. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, obviously, a couple of questions. We'll get into the individual guys, but what was it like winning your first trophy? Yeah, it was huge. I think the the reason that trophy was so big was because the year we skipped out was the year that we didn't make playoffs. That was the year we had had some. There was uh, like the ownership and stuff wasn't great. So we we I don't know if you saw the elite prospects page for that year. We had I think four hundred and sixty fucking guys playing one game yeah. each. Yeah, it was like 10 goalies. It was it was <laughs> insane. But so that was like a low point, I think, not just for me, but for the Devils fans, because the year before I got there, they had the uh, the unbeaten streak and just missed out on the league and playoffs. And we did okay the first two years, and that year we didn't make a make playoffs. So um I think everyone was like pretty down in the dump. So then to get the new owners on board and to win that trophy was you could just see how much it meant to all the fans and everyone who had who'd been there for so long. So um for me, that still ranks as one of the top the top trophies. I think it was huge for just for the boys who were kind of they put that team together in six weeks. I think because by the time the deal was finalised with the new owners and Todd coming over, it was they didn't have much time to put a team together. But who was yeah, the owner managed. previously? Was it Reagan? Was that the Reagan yeah. era? Yeah. So that I mean, I, I've I've interviewed Reagan at some point. Don't really know too much about him, but from from my kind of understanding within the Devils fans and people I talked to, especially after I interviewed him, um, they weren't very happy with me for interviewing him. I know that much, um, yeah. so it kind of, kind of tells you what they they thought of him. Was that obvious from the inside looking out, as it was from the fans on the outside looking in, because they they weren't very happy with just the way the organization was ran that season. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to. Obviously, don't want to say too much, but um, I think like the with all the roster changes and that kind of stuff, that was kind of kind of evident. Obviously, things of how how it was being run, and um, obviously now with the new owners, it's kind of a different business model, and just kind of the way things are run is uh, has improved a lot. Like we get we get taken care of probably better than most teams in the league, judging by what I hear from like the GB boys and that. Um, so yeah, I think just having that, uh, someone like Todd, I think is huge because he has a hockey background. He kind of understands what players want, um, and, uh, and what it takes to be successful because he had a prior experience in Belfast. And, uh, so I think kind of having that, having that made, made a huge difference. I think if you look at Belfast, the way they, they're set up top to bottom as well with, Steve mm-hmm. Steve Thornton, a hockey man, and now coaching yeah. Adam Keith, a hockey man. Um, they've brought in good assistant coaches, and you speak to those guys as well about how well they get treated off the ice. And it's the little yeah. it's little things. And I think having people within your organization like Todd, like Thorns, and the, those kind of guys that have been there and done it and know what the players like. Basically, if they can give you guys everything you want, you have no fucking excuse not to turn up and play at the weekend. Like, absolutely that's what Todd says he's like I want to give you no reason to not play your best so if, if you need something don't wait till the end of the year to tell me your, your dishwasher didn't work tell me we'll get it fixed so it's one less thing for you to worry about because he's been in a situation where he's had players at the end of the year say like oh this this I had so and so was wrong with my car my apartment but he wants to take all those excuses away and 
give give every player the best chance to perform their best and help the team out. So that's one of those things where you could, if you haven't got the experience, you might say as a business as a businessman, well, I'm saving money if I don't do that. But in the in the grand scheme of things, if you take away take away that negative aspect from a player, he's going to perform better and you're going to be more successful on the ice. So it's kind of having that broad broad kind of vision of of what it takes to have a good team and what where it's worth saving money and where it's not you know so i think that's something that todd and those those guys who've played that kind of have that experience they know know what they need to do to keep the team successful um from my conversations with wally they've always been fun he's always been a character i mean we've had him on here i've been on his podcast we shoot the yeah. shit shoot shit quite a bit what what was it like having him for like the full season? Because I can only imagine him in the locker room day in day out is just a fucking riot. Oh yeah, like you say, he's. I don't really, there's not much I can say. You probably don't know already. He's a. Uh, he's always upbeat and being a silly, silly goose, as he likes to say. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was. He was a great guy to have around, and it's just yeah. If, again, it was like as a young player, he was kind of a like a mat, like a man with kids, and it was just it's good for me to kind of see someone who's on a different different kind of uh not a different path but like a different period in their life but he's always he's always still like up for a laugh with the boys and just making the most of every day he was great to have around what what year was it that you guys moved out of the big blue tent and into ice arena wales i think it was known as then oh that's a good question i was oh i couldn't tell you something i had to be honest what a difference though, eh? What a fucking yeah. difference. That rink you guys have got now is, prob- uh, I mean, if anything, it's maybe a bit too small now with the amount of crowds that you guys are bringing in, but it's like a per- perfect ice hockey rink size for the UK. Mm-hmm. The The arena, the, the, like the ice looks good. It's very accessible. It's just like for everything that UK hockey needs, it's great. What was like getting out of the big blue tent and getting to there? Yeah, it was obviously the, the tent was great as a home team because everyone hates going there. Kind of same thing with Manchester now because it's just it was cold. The the change rooms were awful and all that kind of stuff. And you got the fans like right on top of you. It was I think the tent is still one of the loudest rings I've ever played in. Um, so from that aspect, you had a huge home advantage. But um, the other side is it is every day you come to practice and you still get dressed in not the best locker room and. The ice isn't the best. The boards are bad, or whatever. Like the roof would leak. There'd be a hole in the roof sometimes if it's and if it's raining too hard, you couldn't even hear the coach speak because all you can hear is the rain on the roof. So um, getting into the arena kind of made made your everyday a bit more enjoyable. Come into a, like a nice lock, locker room that we've got there. They've made did a great job with that, and um, yeah, just just kind of makes going to work every day a bit nicer, you know. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, I, yeah. I love the I love the facility. I think it's great. While we're still on that twenty fourteen fifteen cup winning season, um, for more of a personal one for you. But actually, you get your first senior call up for the national team, playing in Division One B. What what was that mm-hmm. experience like, and how proud were you to get that first cap? Yeah, that was obviously a growing up in in the UK for any kid is probably one of the one of your top goals. And I think going back to Martin Parfit, who was my coach in Chelmsford, he Back in the day, he drew like a 15-year plan and the top got top uh, achievement on that was to play for the men's team. So it was a dream come true. And 
obviously it didn't go too well that year, but aside from that, it was great to be a part of and like play alongside some of the uh, some of the legends of the British game that I've kind of grew up watching and and reading about. Yeah, like I think we had Weaves on the team that year, um, Ashley Tate and Shieldsy, all those guys that I grew up like reading about Colin Shields, who was drafted and playing in playing in NCAA and all that stuff. So to play with all those guys was huge and. Um, yeah, just really honoured to to finally get there. When I was playing out in Florida, God, 2000, 2001, 2002, it was the year that Maine Black Bears made it into the Frozen Four final. So obviously everybody knew yeah. that there was this British kid. So we were watching the game at the, at the ice rink in Florida and it yeah. was so fucking packed. Everyone just to cheer on the British guy because I was a Brit and they loved it. Like the, yeah. the bar was packed and they were all loving cheering for Maine but he was actually our first ever podcast guest he's been on twice um really? yeah we well we had to get him back on because well we didn't really know what the fuck we were doing start. Like, yeah. he came on and it was just like a whirlwind but he came on like 100 episodes later and it was just so good to talk to him such a ultimate professional again we talk about Richie and these guys mm-hmm. all the guys that had longevity it's it's no coincidence like we say we, they look after their bodies on and off the ice he's got his um he's got his fitness business there in Belfast he's doing very well with that but what was it like getting to actually share a locker room with him and be be a teammate of his yeah like I said it was I kind of grew up reading about him and kind of keeping an eye on his career just because as a British kid you want to kind of if someone's in America you're like oh are they gonna like get a chance you know so it was it was always good to keep an eye on him and then to see to see like how professional those guys are and the little things they do that kind of have kept them at their level I think it's such a valuable experience as a young player and um yeah, there were just there were a lot of guys who were good who I was able to pick up from over my career, especially like in GB as well, because the GB team you've got some guys on there now who were who were still there yeah. back when I first played, and they they'd already been there for like years at that point. So you know, I mean, you got the Johnners and the Mizes who have been at the top level for a long time. So yeah, just really lucky to to be on the team with all those guys, and uh, I'm sure I'll, I'll look back and fondly of it even though we, that particular year we didn't didn't win anything but it was still still a great experience just to be able to to mix up with those boys and kind of share share the, the room with them and pick up a few things where i could the, the following season i hate that they've got this on the elite prospects like it actually means anything you you boys won the Earhart conference champion it's like who fucking cares yeah. <laughs> like, like unless you got the playoffs or the league or the cup nobody it's like no. one of them things that's on there you're like we don't want that on there was it disappointing no. after the success in 2015 to to go essentially trophyless after winning your conference yeah it was I mean I know that we had a few years there where the league was decided by like such a few points I'm not sure if you got it in front of you but I haven't no no but there was it's just yeah, it's such the league, the league trophy here is such uh, fine margins. You know, like it comes down to the end of the year, and you think a couple of bounces in August or maybe not August, but like September, October, add a couple of points here and there, and it's uh, it, it can make the difference at the end of the year. So it's such a long season; it's a grind at times. So um, when you come up empty-handed, is it can be a bit. Bit of a tough one to take because you put so much time in, you know, over like nine months, sixty odd games, and however many practices. But um, 
yeah, I think it just, I think that kind of, you just have to use it as fuel for the next year. And um, we had a couple of years where we didn't quite get over the line. I think that pushed us to uh, to the point where we did and eventually getting those uh, back-to-back league trophies. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I mean, fueling the fire after getting no trophies, you, you come yeah. back hot, you win the league and cup double, and then the following season you win the league and playoffs double. What what was it like getting your hands on those first that first league trophy? You touched on how hard it was. I, I mean, I, I had Kevin Rain on last one of the last episodes, and obviously mm-hmm. he's he's on the other side of it. He's doing it with Belfast, and we talk about like yeah. you lose a fucking game on a Thursday night in Dundee in November, and then you lose away to Fife in March. Your season's fucked. Like yeah. it's t- t- like two two games, three games, four points, six points. How nice yeah. was it to be able to you know? put all those like one game mistakes out the way and get over the line and just seal the deal. Yeah, it's huge. I think if it's just, yeah, like you say, all those, the the prior years, you kind of, as a team collectively, and then as an individual, you think about mistakes that you've, you made that could have made a difference come the end of the year. I know I had, a, there was one year in Belfast, I was breaking the puck out and just left it behind me. I think Murphy went, went in and scored a, a breakaway and, and then you're just kicking yourself, you know, for like the rest of the summer thinking about those those little plays. So um, to finally get over the line, it's more like a, a sense of relief than anything else because you're like, finally, all this work, it wasn't for nothing, it's paid off and you, uh, you kind of get to enjoy the moment and uh, yeah, just kind of look back on all, all the hard times and it makes it all worth it in the end. What did you boys do to celebrate the league success? Um, I'm trying to think. It's my memory's terrible. To be fair, probably too many hits to the head. But yep. <laughs> um, the one year we won was in Belfast, which is you couldn't have asked for a better place to win it. Yeah. So we were um, we were out in the, the bar there and had like a, I, th- I think it was filthy McNasty's maybe, and it's got like a outdoor courtyard. It was like obviously around like the end of the season, so it wasn't too cold and. They were like these steps that came down into the courtyard. And like every time someone was coming down with a cup, like the whole courtyard was cheering for them. And then random people were like carrying it down and we we're cheering for them. And it was, yeah, it was a great time. And then obviously the next day, coming back on the plane, um, everyone's a little worse for wear. I don't know if some guys probably didn't even sleep, but <laughs> it was, uh, yeah, it was awesome. And then I think I should have had to play the next day in Cardiff, but. I mean, you just won the league. It doesn't really matter if you lose. It doesn't really no, matter right. if you lose or you just won the league. What about no, exactly, but... what about doubling it up? Because obviously, you have the cup there as well. The cups a little bit earlier on in the season. Did that? Did that fuel you guys even more to like? Okay, we've had the we've had the challenge cup. Now we want to get that league. Yeah, for sure. I think once you get that, it's like that dopamine hit you get when you win. You know, it's you kind of once you get a taste, you want more. I think that's why you see so many teams kind of. Like with us, you get a one and you end up going on to get two, three, four, five. Um, because kind of just it stokes the fire in you a bit more to to push on and get that feeling again. How how good was Joey Martin in those couple of seasons where you boys won back to back? He's un- unbelievable. I mean, he's he's one of those players that doesn't probably get the credit he deserves in all, all the areas that he plays. Cause I mean, he's I know that those years he was Obviously, one of our top scorers. He was, he was five guys. He would be on the kill, blocking shots. He'd done everything, and that's like something that's so hard to come by. And he was, he was a great leader for us. And I think, uh, yeah, I don't think he'll ever be forgot for, with the uh, with the Devils fans. 
He's affectionately called the goat, as I'm sure you're aware. And yeah, that, that nickname is going to stick for a while because he was, he was like like a instrumental part of the team. And again, like I said about so many other guys, like he was just a, a great guy off the ice as well. Like one of the best guys to hang around with, go out with, all that kind of stuff. Um, and I think that's part of the reason we had so much success was the team that we or the teams that we recruited always they always put a focus on good people first. Uh, that was kind of one of one of Andrew Ward's kind of mantras, and we've been on. We've had everyone's had teams where there's been clicks and that kind of stuff, and it just kind of chips away at like the the chemistry and camaraderie. So like th- those years where everyone was on the same page, there was no bad eggs, and it's just uh, just translates on the ice at the end of the day because everyone's willing to go that extra mile for each other. How take a minute to talk about how good Andrew Lord was. I mean, he was all right, eh? Did a job. Yeah, definitely. He's um, obviously he's gone on to a bigger and better things now. Um, but yeah, he's one of those guys. Came in was a player in that that year where we didn't have the best of years, and he comes in as a player coach, and you're not really sure what to expect. And yeah, he he took that role on. Um, like he was second nature to him, really, and he was he also had to walk the line between player and coach which I can't imagine is easy to do it's hard enough being a player for me so not at the elite league level maybe at the national league you got Aaron Nell yeah. and guys like that that can jump in and do it but it's fucking that's that's tough not only worried about trying to have a good performance on a Saturday Sunday Wednesday or whenever you're playing but have, yeah. all the, have all the practices ready listen to all the guys bullshit about broken washing machines and fucking oh, yeah. you know like my cars broke down etc it's just such a juggling act for doing it at a professional level and he deserved every success that you went on to get in the in the coming seasons. Oh yeah, definitely. He was um his work ethic was ridiculous. He would um he would do, do so much video on the other teams and we kind of felt bad for him because the the coach's office in Cardiff, it's at like the back of the locker room and it was it wasn't even designed to be an office, it was just like a storage room. So it's just this room with four four like brick walls, no windows like nowhere and he'd be in there for like I think till like five six o'clock every day and I think Todd had to kick him out sometimes because he was just just obsessed with like video and uh, like uh like controlling all like the uh the finer things that we he wanted us to do and that kind of stuff so yeah he uh definitely deserved where he got to with, with winning the leagues comes Champions League hockey you got you got a couple of you've probably had three I think you had three go three goes round and then another go round just uh, this season just gone last year. What was the first Champions League experience like for you, being a British kid and getting to play in this big European competition? Well, I remember our first game very vividly. It was uh, in Davos, the Spengler Cup, so it's like a really renowned, like prestigious rink. We get there, we kind of um, it was our first ever Champions League game, so we're like. Okay, well, we've got our system. We've been playing for a few years. We're like, we'll play our system, see how we go. And they just like picked us apart. I think it was, <laughs> they had like a back to back five on threes in the first five minutes. They were just like zip, never seen a team like zip a puck around like these guys were. It was like, like they're on the Xbox, just pressing like, hey, hey, hey. It's like, bing, 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 bing. One time a bar down. It was like ridiculous. But um, so that was like, definitely a learning curve. I think it ended up 11 1 our first game in Davos so we like okay <laughs> there's, there's some better teams than the Cardiff Devils that have lost a level one to Davos as well so I mean yeah. I, I wouldn't be too disheartened on that 
what did you, was the first did you get any victories in that first first go round yeah so funnily enough we ended up beating Davos at home in overtime that's right yeah. there was a, a Drew Paris slap shot and oh, the like, place went nuts um, so yeah I think we that first game I don't think we really knew what we were in for so after that we kind of adjusted our systems to uh, what we needed to to kind of manage our speed and kind of control the game where we could and yeah, managed to grind out a win, which was uh, which was huge. Like some of those games, I think we had um, our first away win in the Champions League was in Graz, and uh, like that was another highlight. I think of, of the Champions League for us. We had the owners there, and that was another huge game. But um, yeah, going to get to play against like we played for Lunder as well. Um, there are like a few guys there who are in the NHL now. We played against Pettersson, I think, our first year when we played against. Uh, the, uh, the Swedish champions, Vax, Vax Joe or Vakwa, however you pronounce yeah, the it. La- so, yeah. La- Lakers, isn't it? Yeah. So, Lakers. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it's a, yeah, I'm so that's pretty like up there was one of my career highlights is playing in that, that competition, just seeing again like the, the standard that people go to, you know. What's it like going into those barns in Sweden when they're full? Because you know, obviously we see the SHL on TV here. We've seen them in the Champions League for years and years. The fucking atmosphere is nuts. Well, they were never full when we played, and they were the fans weren't interested. Your fans weren't bothered, yeah. They were just <laughs> wait for the wait for the league game at the weekend. <laughs> yeah, no, they the um we played for under in like their practice ring, but I still think that whole like six thousand fans, and then um, like Burn was the other one. I think they have like oh, the highest amazing. attendance in Europe, but it was it was like for them it was preseason game basically, so <laughs> the attendance wasn't great, but nevertheless, it's still still cool to be a part of. But they're, they're kind of bucket list games. Listen, listen to the teams oh, yeah. just rattled rattled off there. It's it's incredible for for our nation to be competing with those big boys and not only competing, actually beating them in a, in a, a few games here or there. Yeah, definitely. I think I, I used to play with some of those teams on NHL back in the day. So <laughs> to like to go and play against for London was ridiculous. So. um I managed to steal a warm-up puck from him to uh, <laughs> to a kid one a kid one day, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, what a what a cool story that would be because then you can relive relive the moment of playing at that level. You you carried on into into the like the, the just the season before, but going back, you carried on into the the Great Britain World Championship squad again, and also you got a chance at the Olympic Game qualifiers. What was it like playing yeah. in uh, Olympic game qualifiers? And can you see us being good enough to get back there at some stage? Yeah, that was that was another. Obviously, the Olympics is on the on the bucket list for any athlete. So, not obviously it wasn't the Olympics. Just to kind of be on the ladder was cool. Um, unfortunately, we didn't really do as well as we probably could have there in Cortina. Um, but yeah, I think the GB now are in a position that you, you could imagine we would be in back then I think um, but yeah so with the Olympics who knows it's with GB like we've seen over the last few years they could be I say they because I wasn't I wasn't on the team when they had all the big wins which was a <laughs> which was a shame but um, they have the ability to to bring out the big wins like when, when all the cards are stacked against them so um and yeah, and I think anything is a possibility at this point. I think the big thing is you look at the team, there are a few players who are perhaps towards the end of their career. So it's it, the interesting thing is going to be to see who who like steps up to fill those places. I think like we got 
obviously you've got Kirky now who's stud. Who, yeah, absolute stud. Um like we've got Joshua who obviously you're you're good friends with. He's coming Elf. up and yeah, he's the goalie scored good. the goalie scored at the weekend was a fucking joke. Both of them. Oh, I didn't see the other one. Did he score? Yeah. No, I didn't see it. Yeah, he scored two. I saw one. It was just, um, I, I follow a couple of the Cardiff fans on like social media and stuff. And it was just like a Josh Waller appreciation post. And not only that, silky smooth Selly as well. Oh, yeah. You got a good got a good picture looking into the camera. Yeah. Loves it. Little poser. <laughs> but, yeah. But yeah. So, um, yeah, I think as long as you get the players to kind of fill those, fill the boots of those guys who are like, um, coming to the end of their their international duties. I think GB is in a good place to continue, but um, I think getting back up to Pool A again this year is huge because I think we've got, we got to try and keep the momentum going and like the buzz around the team. And I think we have a good chance with it being hosted in Nottingham and, and with the the group they're in. So I agree. Yeah, so I think if, if we can get back up, that'll be huge. Hopefully I'll be there, I'll sleep with you again. So uh, yeah, I think that'll be huge. Without lumping on pressure, I don't think we will ever get. I'll say, I'm careful to use the word "easy" because that's not the right word. I don't think we'll ever get an opportunity put on a plate like we have this year to play ball yeah. A hockey ever again. Like at home, like you said, the division mm-hmm. for considering is you know the 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 one below the top dogs isn't as crazy as it has been in years gone past you know the years gone by that division was stacked obviously with russia and belarus both mm-hmm. be, both being like eliminated from international competition it means two teams are up really in pool a that generally wouldn't be there they would normally be in that yeah. division below so i think at home and definitely with the squad that we we would like to be able to pick from we should be definitely looking at going back up. You're touching on guys yeah, that are sure. pot- potentially like ready. You'll see them more than me, but uh, for example, guys that maybe not quite been there before, hearing good things about Owen Griffiths down at Guildford this year, um, Jordan County, hearing good things about him as well. Is there any other sort of guys that are going to be like there or thereabouts that you see playing week in, week out? Yeah, I think those two guys will see Owen, good old Welsh boy. Um, yeah. Be good to see him get a chance one day. You've got um well both Hazeldine brothers. You've got Joe and Archie. Uh Joe, I think, was on the cusp last year. He was um again, he's come on again this year playing for Manchester. I think he played him at the weekend. He's on the power play logging a lot of minutes. Nice. So I think he's got to be knocking on the door. And uh his brother in Nottingham, he's maybe not quite there yet, but I think once he matures, he's obviously got the skill set to be there and he's got the got the skill and kind of reads the game good enough um so i think within a few few years he'll be there for sure as well i'm just looking at defenseman clearly because i'm worried about losing my spot (laughs) (laughs) yeah it's like who these young kids coming up trying to take my spot was it disappointing for you after being in the gb national team for you know two world champs and olympic qualifiers to then not make the team and actually you're not making the team in those seasons where at club level you're having all the success in the world. Was that a bit of a bit of a kick in the stones for you or was it something you maybe you felt that you could go away and work on your game and come back and go again? Yeah, it was obviously disappointing, especially seeing like the success they had. Um, that was, that was upsetting, but um, those years I didn't make the team. I was, I was playing for as a forward in Cardiff. Right. So I think that kind of hindered me. I, w- I was never going to make the squad as a forward, given the, the depth of forwards and the kind of talent we have up front on the national team. And um, 
going into camp trying to play defense after playing forward all year it was it was a pretty I think it was a big ask in that sense and that's kind of at the time that's what Pete and Corey said they said we think you need to be playing playing D regularly to get back in the team and um luckily enough last year I was back on D and and made the team so hopefully I'll be happy the same this year but yeah it was uh it was tough tough seeing obviously happy for all my mates on the team who were who were winning I was I was actually my brother-in-law stag in Madrid listening to the final game, the year, year GB got up to the Poulet. Farms was, was a, farms with a late goal. Yeah, I was. We were in the hotel again, ready to go out, and I was all I could get was a radio broadcast. I think it was like Chris Ellis or someone, and they were like ten seconds left. Like it's not looking good for GB, and then just listening. So you don't really know what's going on, but you're listening. He's like, and Farmer scores, and it's like just gone absolutely nuts. And like I was just like chills all over my body. I was like. I cannot believe they go into the top division. It was unreal. But um, then, then, then the dust settles. I'm like, oh god, I would have been loved to be there. <laughs> I mean, we'll, we'll get onto it in a minute. You did get your opportunity to play at that level, but what was it like? Obviously, you, you come off the back of two double seasons, and then you follow it up with another EHL playoff championship. So making it two playoffs in a row, it's. It's not quite the league in terms of, you know, you like we said, you you mess up in August, September, October, you could be screwed. But the playoffs is so difficult because it's such a short format. You've got to be dialed in. Everything's got to be mm-hmm. clicking. And then you've got the lottery of, you know, a final four weekend. But you boys winning it yeah. back, back to back, that must have been like, I don't know, fucking proud, happy. I don't know what way, way you boys would go with the, the emotions. Yeah, I think especially the uh, season just was it the season just gone you were referring to? No, so you, you won it in 2017, 2018, yeah. and then 2018, 2019, and then obviously you boys won it last year as well. So yeah. you've got three three titles, not bad. Yeah, no big deal. <laughs> <laughs> the Pat, Pat Maroon of British ice hockey. <laughs> I fucking take it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. Um, yeah, it was like you say, playoffs is kind of a uh, it's such a such a quick format that um anything can happen you know like your team could come down with a flu and that could yep. be that could be your playoffs done or you could just have an off night or something or like yeah and, that, and that's that's you done so like you say you have to be you have to be dialed and ready to go like from the first first drop of the puck and um even though in theory the challenge cup's harder to win it should be a more meaningful trophy there's no no better way than winning uh sorry than ending the season with like a big win and just celebrating on the ice in Nottingham with all the fans. It's uh, they're probably the most fun trophies to win in that sense, just because like the stands packed and it's you just finishing the year with a win. It's, you know, it's the best way to go out. Without throwing you under the bus here, I mean it's very <laughs> very common knowledge that the Elite League fucked up with their ticket pricing last year. I mean they've even come out already this year and say they're going to yeah. rectify it. Like they've been pretty smart about it. What what did you notice like winning between say twenty eighteen and the twenty nineteen success versus last year where the arena wasn't as packed as it normally is? Yeah, I think well, like you say, it was it wasn't anywhere near the uh, the attendance that it was in years past, which was a shame because I was kind of hyping up to some of the new boys like our oh, playoff weekend sick. It's like a massive carnival atmosphere almost. You got the fans in different sections, all the in their own sections you've got the uh the mascots running around like it's crazy and then we get there and it was it was kind of underwhelming compared to the years gone past which was a bit of a shame but um i think 
it was kind of a business decision because they, I think they lost some money with the cancelled year, perhaps. I don't really know. I'm yeah, it was to... COVID couple of seasons they lost though, didn't they? Yeah, that's kind of what I've interpreted. So I think it was maybe an attempt to recoup some money, but it, it was a mistake. But like you say, they've kind of put it put this bed now and rectified it and listened to what the fans have had to say. So I think that's uh, all they can do now really is uh, try and make it so it's more affordable for everyone. And uh, hopefully this year it'll be back to the way it was because it is like an unreal weekend to be a part of. And I think, yeah, having that atmosphere in, in the, the NIC is unbeatable. Obviously, COVID screwed a lot of things up, screwed everyone's hockey up, but you did get to be part of the Elite Series. You signed with Manchester Storm. What, yeah. what was that whole experience like? And did you enjoy it? And did you think, like, what did you think of, like, the import numbers as well? Yeah, it was interesting. It was it was pretty tough in the sense that we were, we were at the rink, then we were back at the hotel, just kind of in our room by ourselves a lot of the time. Um, so that, that side of it was pretty tough. But... Um, it was still after being locked up at home. It was still like a godsend to be able to uh, to be around. It would be a new group of boys. I still knew a lot of the guys that we had. Uh, I was on the team of Stringers and uh, Matty yeah. Haywood, Ben Davies, <laughs> and um, all the all the like Dow and Critch and all those boys who have uh, been in Manchester for a few years. Peaks there as well, Sully. But there's a few good guys on that. Yeah, I left out a few people there. Sorry, boys, but it was, uh, <laughs> it was a great group to be a, to be a part of, and then. Um, we made the best of a perhaps not the best situation being being in kind of lockdown in the hotel for the first few weeks we were there but it was um yeah it was a good experience overall and um yeah it's good to be a part of sam sam gospel was on the roster with you i mean i think he only started one game they went with the import goalie but yeah. did you see enough of sam to say that he might be knocking on the door of an elite league team soon enough yeah, I think so. Just from from what I can remember in practice and stuff, he was he was um, a great goal. He kind of reminds me of um, Mertz in a way because they're both kind of smaller goalies, but like super quick and um, kind of hard to beat that way. But um, yeah, it's going back a while. My memory's not the greatest, but from what I remember, he was uh, he was pretty dialed all the time. And um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if he's if he's knocking on the door of an elite league team pretty soon. Well, we need we need guys to be making that step because ultimately for the national team, I mean, we ha- I had Jackson Whistle on a couple of weeks, a couple of weeks back. Mm-hmm. Out, outside of kind of him, Bouncy and Jordan Headley, we're really running thin. Like right now, and I mean, I don't wish us upon anyone, but let's say those two boys go down between now and the, the World Champs. Who the fuck are we bringing in? <laughs> like, yeah, exactly. it's a scary proposition because there's yeah. no there's nobody ready to step onto that international scene at mm-hmm. that division 1a level as as it speaks right now and the only way that's going to happen is by getting them up playing elite league games playing meaningful minutes hopefully it'll yeah. happen hopefully it'll happen because ultimately we want our national team to to be at the highest level possible the 21-22 season kicked off not bad for you, Mr. Batch. 19, <laughs> point, 19 points, mate. Was it nice to see the point production on the individual side go up? Yeah, it was. It was a bit unexpected, to be honest. Just um, kind of seemed to be getting a few lucky bounces, just like closing my eyes and shooting. It was it was going in sometimes, which was nice. Take that. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, um, yeah, for me, it was just good to be playing D again. Kind of playing D kind of was made hockey a lot more enjoyable for me. I was when I was on the on the fourth line wing, it wasn't really 
wasn't really as fun. I was kind of just doing the role that I had to at the time, which was fine. You know, like I accept that and that's what the team needed. So, um, you know, that's what got me a lot of those trophies and stuff was playing that role. So I can't begrudge it at all, but playing D was kind of where I feel more comfortable. And yeah, I enjoyed my hockey again. And um, ultimately, that's what ended up getting me back on the national team, which is uh, another bonus. Yeah, that's what I was going to touch on next. You did yeah. get your opportunity to to play at the big table. Talk talk us through like I don't know. I, I still I still feels surreal. Even though I've interviewed quite a few of the boys that have been at these tournaments and stuff, still feels a bit surreal when we talk about like you guys playing against Canada, America, fucking Sweden, Finland. It's yeah. it's insane. How was it for you like being there and not only that picking up a couple of points at that at that <laughs> level as well? Yeah, chisels. Um, hey, fucking yeah. take, take it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was again like I've kind of I've kind of throughout the the podcast I said like when I first showed up and like seeing Scott Matsker and those guys, then seeing the guys at the CHL and then being at the World Championships was just like another level that I didn't think I'd ever see firsthand. Like watching some of the some of the teams practice and you got like Thomas Hurdle and David Krejci on check who are just like legit NHL superstars and they're like coming down and coming down on me on the wing it's like it was surreal at times i was like what am i doing out i do not belong out here at all but it was um yeah i think crazy sauce it through me for a goal but i was like yeah all right <laughs> he does it to nhl players he can do it to me i'm not gonna be too mad at myself <laughs> yeah if he's doing it to like carlson and doughty and fucking headman and guys like that probably cut yourself some yeah. slack yeah exactly so it was um yeah it was uh, it was unreal and the uh the rink there in Tapara as well was um it was like top I think it's pretty much a brand new rink. It's like state of the art, thirteen thousand seats maybe, which was sold out against Finland. Which is um yeah, it was just mad. Like never thought in a million years I'd be there. So it was uh it was pretty pretty surreal and um obviously ended quite badly for us, but it it was disappointing purely for the fact that we were in so many games. Like, oh, I know. We were in the Latvia game, we were in the Austria game, and we were in games against even fucking bigger nations as well. But to yeah. come to come away getting relegated, ultimately it's disappointing. But we, we we touch on like young guys making their mark and maybe getting the opportunity and how they're going to get their opportunity. One guy that did get his opportunity for the first time last year and fuck did he grab it? It was Cade Nielsen. He led the team in scoring. Five oh, points yeah. in seven games. How good was that young guy? Oh, you know, I mean, his, his stats spoke for himself. I think he probably, I remember speaking to him, he was like, um, I think he was a bit concerned, like, because of his name, people maybe thought, like, why is this kid coming from America? That kind of stuff. So I think he maybe, I'm not sure if he did, but he kind of had that chip on his shoulder. And he, if there were any doubts, he sh- shut them all up pretty quickly because he was, like you say, he was, he was scoring for fun and, even even aside from the goals, just like the way he plays, he's like uh, so like he plays a game like a like a man, you know. He's like a strong player, like strong on his skates and um, great lad as well. He's a good laugh to be around. He was he was always like upbeat as well, so he was great to have on the team. But yeah, definitely took the took the ball by the horns there and um, cemented himself as a, a player for years to come on the national team. I think. Someone else that I think has the potential to be there for a long time is Scott Conway. He didn't have too much success on on the scoreboard in that tournament, but from watching him in the Elite League the last last couple of seasons, he is lights out. And if we can get him firing when we go to these tournaments, then that's going to be fucking huge for us. 
yeah, definitely. I think like um, any tournament GB or any need goals are going to be pretty hard to come by just um, just for the nature of uh, the way the team's set up kind of thing. But like the, the year before I was there, Kirky who was, who was firing all cylinders. Seven, so, and, seven and seven at Pool A. Yeah, that's insane. So if you can have someone who can make something out of nothing, I think that's huge. And that's something I think um, Scott's managed to do in Belfast. So yeah, like you say, if we can get him clicking um, in the World Championships, I think that's that's huge for GB just to kind of maybe give us some wiggle room in games, you know, where we're not we're not just fighting for a one goal lead. If we can get a couple, two or three goals, that kind of gives you a bit of breathing room, lets everyone relax and kind of settle into the game a bit more. With GB being such like a tight knit group, how do you, how do you feel like they they welcome new guys into the roster? Obviously, you touched on there some of the guys that you played with <laughs> your first go round were there before you and they're still there now. Is is there like is it like really welcoming when you got those senior guys to bring in the, the new blood? Yeah, definitely. I think that's something I noticed as well. Like you could, it'd be easy for it to be a situation where there's a group that's been together for ages. They kind of keep to themselves and that kind of thing but it's a, it's a complete opposite like everyone they're really good for uh bringing everyone in uh everyone gets involved everyone's chirping each other and if it's playing cards or or doing whatever going out we're in, in Finland we're out on the the, uh, the electric scooters or like having a laugh and uh yeah it's always it's always a good group and whenever there's a new guy I've, I know if, like personally that was welcomed with uh open arms and I think that's kind of a conscious thing the older guys have tried to established on the team over the years as well i mean you've got some great veterans on that that roster mm-hmm. what about the the coaching staff obviously we talk about pete russell um having a massively successful gb career but some of the names that maybe uh, go under the radar is adam keith and Corey nielsen what's it like having the, the three of those guys running the helm yeah i think it's, it's great they all bring kind of a different a different uh aspect and kind of different methodology to it your pete is Pete, like he gets your blood blood flowing before a game. He'll give one. He gives some of the best kind of uh, like rah rah speeches. I think it, the Scottish accent kind of helps with that. And he, it's hard not to be motivated for a game when he's when he's getting you fired up. Um, and as as a defenseman, Corey kind of was uh, he kind of handled the D this year. So he's obviously his his own career was speaks for itself. So he was uh, teaching us a lot of little things, which which I try and still implement to this day so it was good to have his his first-hand knowledge with a lot of that stuff and um then Kiefer he was kind of more uh special teams focused so he was kind of breaking down that kind of stuff and but being on the kill uh for me he was he was working closely with us and then yeah again tried picking up a few things from him and perhaps remembering him when we played Belfast to help our power play out <laughs> yeah exactly right down what you were saying <laughs> Yeah. Was it like? Was it like when you find yourself out there uh, on the kill at that level? Obviously, said in the in the Champions League, boys are zipping the puck around. When you get to this level, it's again, yeah, there's fucking mad levels to it. Was it like when you find yourself out in the kill, man down, and ultimately, I think any team that's playing GB think they're going to win. So we're up against yeah. it, no matter how hard, no matter which team we're playing against. But yeah, finding yourself a man short at that level. Yeah, I mean just. Just try and get in the way if I can, and yeah, there's no point. Like sometimes in our league, you can try and there's a bubble puck, you'll try and chase someone, try and put them under pressure, but it's almost there's no, no point at that level because they'll just zip it around. You're like no look pass around you, but um, 
I think, yeah, we were just, Kiefer was just hammering into us kind of the, uh, like the kind of finer details on, on where to be. And then we were also kind of changing things depending on who we were playing just based on their tendencies. But, um, at the end of the day, there's, there's an extra guy out there. They're going to find seams eventually. And that kind of, that's kind of where it comes down to getting yourself in the way, trying to eat a puck or relying on the goalie to make a big save. Talking about the goalies, how good are Bounzi and Jackson being at that level when they get tested so many times on the evening? Yeah, I feel bad for them. <laughs> As a defence, when I'm like, they just bail, bail me out all the time. But um, yeah, I think I think Bouncy kind of likes, we've been in games in Cardiff before, he, he kind of does well with getting a lot of shots. But um, yeah, when it's like, I, I don't even know what the shots were this year. I think we they must have had, wouldn't surprise if a team has 60 shots against us. So yeah, they must just be absolutely exhausted. But like, um, they both both got really high accolades whenever out there because they kind of they keep us in games a lot of the time. And um I think so, I remember some of the saves Bouncy made that year. They stayed up. You know, there was a scramble in front against France. There was a save he made on was it Jack Hughes or Quinn yep. Hughes? It was yeah, Jack just, Hughes. I was at the game. It was yeah, filthy. Yeah, it was ridiculous. So yeah, I think without without a good someone behind you, I don't think you're gonna get very far in those tournaments. Um, touching on this season now you come here we'll talk about your testimonial in a second but currently sitting in fourth position 16 games 21 points 9 wins 1 OT win and then 5 losses and a shootout loss I mean I don't imagine Cardiff Devils would be too happy losing 6 games out of 16 what's the kind of what's the kind of buzz in the locker room and boys ready to turn this turn this around and because I think I think looking at previous years and the actual point break I think you have to be playing like 720 hockey but 720 750 to be yeah to be there at the end of the year currently a little bit below that do you think that's something that you boys will be aiming to do pushing into this Christmas period now yeah definitely I think you touch on it like no one's no one's satisfied with our start at the minute um we're doing doing what we can to try and put the set the ship straight. There's um, a few things we kind of identified, kind of had had a hard look at ourselves this past week after that game in Belfast and uh, the loss in loss in Dundee. And um, I think yeah, it kind of comes down to everyone everyone kind of elevating their own game that ten percent. Um, so I just think we were kind of lacking that at the minute. Um, but I think we had, we had a response on Sunday against Manchester, but. Um, the story of the season for us has been kind of inconsistency. So while the win on Sunday is good, it's about following it up with, with like getting a string of good games together, you know? So, um, obviously we're not in the league this week. We've got the, the continental cup, but, um, it's going to be a good challenge to, uh, keep, keep playing the way we want to play and just finding that consistency really. Cause like you say, that's what you need at the end of the year. You can't be, we're probably already having six losses. That's, at this stage of the season, probably too many. So we need to kind of get on a roll and uh, get as many points as we can come up to Christmas and uh, and throughout that period. The quarterfinal matchups have been announced for the Challenge Cup. Um, boy, do we have some big games. Watch, I think it's fucking great the way that it's worked out because you're going to have some different people getting through to the semi-finals. You've got Belfast taking on Nottingham, Sheffield mm-hmm. taking on you guys. You've got Coventry and Guildford, who seem to be creating a quite nice little rivalry down south there. And then the Fife Flyers and the Dundee Stars. So you've got like you've got the Battle of Fife going on up there. Yeah. 
what's the what's the kind of the feeling in the camp having Jordan Sheffield at this early stage? That's normally one that where you would get them in the semis or in the final, but it must be exciting to take them on the quarters. Yeah, definitely. I think we um, we've split some of the games so far, so. Um... I think, yes, like you say, if you want to win the Challenge Cup, you're going to come up against these teams eventually. So uh, may as well get out of the way early, you know. So um, it'll be a good challenge for sure. And then it's, uh, I think that's huge. That's a trophy we always want to try and try and win. Because um, I think getting that, having that boost kind of towards the end of the season, like we touched on before, it can kind of give you that little kick towards the last stretch of games to... Uh, to see it out and get those final few points in to uh, hopefully secure the league as well. You talked about the boys coming together at the weekend there. Great to see Dougie stepping in for a teammate. I know it's not his role fighting or anything like that, but it was great to see he's the closest guy. Gloves came off and he had a good go. And then Riley Brandt going centre right. So that that was a fun one. Is it is yeah. it good when you, when you guys are out there and you got some of these some of these guys that are not necessarily fighters, but dropping the gloves and and battling for the boys really yeah I think it kind of I think that kind of was um, part of the, like the the chat we had amongst ourselves was kind of bringing that intensity and I think that's kind of what you saw then you know like you, like you say Dougie's not a, a fighter by any means but having having each other's back is something that that's important to everyone on the team and, and most hockey teams to be honest so um, seeing someone who's willing to do that is, is huge and then yeah with the uh, Riley Brown is a he's a, a big energy guy for us. He's was a fan favorite last year, even though he was here for not not a huge amount of time. But he he was my favorite devil last year, funnily enough. Yeah, he's uh, after <laughs> after his debut. After his debut, I yeah. was like, "Fuck is this guy? He's not only is he killed five guys; they've all been clean, clean hits. Like yeah. no, not not a single question mark. Like a proper NCAA style finish yeah. every single hit. Like it's your last shift you're ever gonna play. He brings that to the roster, and I love it." Yeah, he's he's built like a tractor. He's just like he defies physics. He's just yeah, his dimensions are crazy. He's a he's a solid boy for sure. And he can uh, like you say, he doesn't not cheap at all. Like he just catches Never. people hard. And I think with his like low center of, of mass, he just yeah, he crushes people. And it's it's hard to kind of because he's, he's a he's a great skater as well. So he can he can catch you on the tracks, and it's hard to get out of his way. What about this Continental Cup? I believe this is your first foray into that. Yeah. Previous just Champions League. Here we go. I'm going to butcher some European names now just to piss everybody off. So, you fucking hell, here we go. I'm going to try anyway. So, don't at me. I know it's all wrong. So, you got uh, Angers Ducks on Friday, 7.30pm face-off. Oh, fucking hell. Acroni just... Jess Nice, I don't even kind sorry. This is painful. <laughs> That's why I haven't got a job on Premier Sports. Um at 7 p.m. And then on the Sunday, Zemgal, Gel Galva, got one right, get in. Um again, you got a 7 p.m. face-off. Without knowing too much about those teams, it is a step down from for, for you guys that are new to hockey, it's kind of like the UEFA Cup versus the Champions League in football. That's probably the best yeah. kind of analogy I can make. So with with you guys being at that level as opposed to the Champions League, what's the expectation going in? Are you boys looking to get out of this group this weekend at home? Yeah, definitely. I think anything less than that will be a disappointment. Um, like you say, we've uh, we've kind of managed to hang in there with some of the Champions League teams. So um, kind of a different scenario. Like in those Champions League games, you're just trying to hang on and 
park the bus to use a football term and if you can squeak out a goal try and protect the lead but um, with these games we're going to have to try and assert our game a bit more and come out flying use the crowd to our advantage and um, and get a lead and hang on to it rather than we've got in a habit lately of conceding early and kind of digging ourselves a hole so that's something we want to try and get rid of and uh, yeah hopefully we'll, we'll do that and get through this group and um, progress onto the next round where hopefully we can uh, win a European trophy which will Despite it being the second second tier of European competition, that will still be a that'll be huge for the club and definitely a personal career highlight as well. Well, we saw when Big Earn and stuff was in Nottingham, the Nottingham Panthers won the Continental yeah. Cup. So we have had British success in this tournament previously, and there's no reason yeah. the Devils can't do it. So look at the teams in your group: one from Latvia, one from France, and one from Slovenia. I mean, it's a bit different from one from Switzerland, one from Finland, and one from Sweden. <laughs> like, it yeah. sounds sounds a bit nicer. the The format and with the fact that it's at home and you guys can sleep in your own beds, etc. How mm-hmm. keen is that? How well, just usual shit? You might have a coffee shop that you like to go to. You might have a pregame you like to eat. How yeah. nice is it going to be being at home for that competition? Oh yeah, it's huge for for all those reasons you mentioned. And um, we were just we were just in Scotland. This past weekend, we were we travelled up to Scotland on Friday. I think we got there like ten o'clock at night. Then we were uh, we were in Scotland playing in Dundee on a Saturday. Then we bus back halfway on the Saturday night and bus straight to the game on Sunday. So we uh, racked up a few miles on the motorway. So it'd be nice just to kind of be in our own beds and um, just enjoy enjoy a bit more time with the family and those little habits and routines you get into, which kind of just put you at ease and kind of. Kind of help you out on the game day when you you know you've got your routine, you've been through it, and you've kind of know what to expect with your day and that kind of stuff. Well, top top two teams go through to the final, which is the thirteenth to the fifteenth of January, to be announced where it's going to be held. But in the mm-hmm. in the opposing group, you've got HK Nitro from Slovakia, HK Kremenchuk from Ukraine, Asago Hockey from Italy. And Unia, fuck it, I don't even know a Polish hockey team. <laughs> I'm not even gonna. I'm not even gonna attempt it. Yeah, my ADHD can't can't deal with that. But looking at looking at those groups, obviously HK Nitro, a big club, Saga, a big club. But looking at Cardiff Devils, could be well within a shout of winning the European competition if if everything lines up and you boys play the way you can. I think you've got a very very good opportunity to add another trophy to your to your already illustrious career. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think, like you say, the teams definitely some big clubs in there, but I think they're all they're all clubs we would put ourselves on on par with at the very least. So, um, yeah, I think we've we've got our sights set on getting through, and um, I think when, if we get through, I think we won't be expecting anything less than a win. So, fingers crossed, we can uh, make that happen, and uh, it'll be like hopefully be a bit of a turning point in the season for us to get some momentum towards the end of the year. I am. Uh, I think I'm going to make a trip down on Friday. I completely forgot it was this weekend. I've got. I've got it written yeah. down in my calendar on my phone. But you know, it's like I don't get the reminder until the day. And I'm like, oh. yeah, so I might. I might be reaching out to Franny. I know you're listening. Reach out to Franny. Get some tickets. Come down and cheer you boys on. I love coming down to Cardiff. Always get well looked after down there. And that's yeah. probably probably why you've managed to stick around for ten years and lead into your testimonial year. <laughs> what? Yeah. Well, first of all, congratulations. So it's a hell of an achievement. But thank you. Was there ever any stages throughout, you know, like year seven, year eight, or whatever, where you think I'm so close to a testimonial, they better not fucking gas me now? <laughs> yeah, definitely. I think once you get, I think for me when it was like five, I was like mm, halfway there now. It's like 
another five should be doable, but you never know, do you? Especially when those years I was playing forward as well, I was like, mm, they could they could bin me off and they would get like a cheaper young maybe, guy. Yeah, could have got like a Josh Riley, obviously was too young back then, but like someone like that. But um yeah, I managed to uh grease the right palms and stay here stick around <laughs> for ten years. Or was that this is actually my eleventh year to be honest? It obviously, was, yeah, the COVID year ruins that, doesn't it? Yeah, and then um because we started Myers' testimonial in the COVID year, they didn't want them to overlap. So um right, okay. had to wait till this year. But yeah. But yeah, anyway, got sidetracked. But yeah, it's um yeah, just once you're here, you know, once we get treated so well, there's never any reason to leave. So it's just a case of doing doing what I could to uh make them want to keep me, basically. Obviously you touched on the start of the podcast, you got married this year. Did you marry a Welsh girl? No, she's actually from closer to back home, actually. Oh, okay. Yeah, we, we met through Instagram. Though. No, it's not uh, not quite a Romeo and Juliet love story, but <laughs> so I, I met my wife on Tinder. So fucking, yeah. <laughs> like, it is what it is. <laughs> yeah, we. Uh, I met her like when I was home in the summer one year. She's she was in Suffolk, which is kind of the county above Essex and like an hour away. And um, yeah, she she moved down the next year and was in Cardiff and. She got a job here, so then we ended up staying here ever since, to be honest, because I used to go home in the summers, but now we, uh, we're here year-round, and um, I think that's probably been, I should know, six years, six years now. I mean, it's not a bad spot to be at in the summer with all the sport and yeah. just, I mean, Cardiff as a city is fantastic. What is it you yeah, like, definitely. aside from the hockey, what is it you, you like about being in Cardiff? Just kind of, like you touch on the city in general, like there's... There's always something going on. You got the uh, you got the motor point, uh, which is kind of like a smaller menu menu venue. Um, there's always they got like loads of bands play. Not that I ever go, but it's, <laughs> it's a good option to have. There's all, and there's like in the summer, there's uh, you got the castle. They started doing like concerts in the castle and stuff, and there's yeah, just loads of stuff going on, which you don't really get in Chelmsford, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just get a, get a messy session, Chelmsford. I'm sure. Yeah, going from down Masula. Yeah, from the boys I know down that way, I'm sure they still have fun in the summer. But yeah, yeah so throughout obviously your ten year career, you're going to be you're going to be bringing guys back. Is there is there any names that that have already been announced that are going to come and play, or is there any that you kind of want to let the fans have a little sneak preview on? Nothing is has been confirmed yet, so I, I don't really want to uh, put the pressure on anyone. Um, but um, what I can say is that we've it's actually a world exclusive we've uh, we've penciled a date for the 27th of May um, we're probably going to put that out there on the socials this week hopefully just to uh, kind of let people make make their plans for it um, but yeah still got a lot of work to do in terms of booking players I know there's there's so many people you'd want to bring back from, from your whole career but it kind of comes down to cost at the end of the day because I you don't really want them to cover their own flight, so no. um, Adds just got to try and got to try and manage that in some way. Are you are you having any help putting the putting the the whole like kind of testimonial experience together? Because I know I know from just like doing a charity game, that's not got any of the other stuff. It's a it's a nightmare logistically, and getting some help is crucial. But you've obviously got merch going on. I believe is there a quiz night or a race night or something? Does that yeah, yeah, we've got the quiz night on the 5th of December. Um, that's kind of like the launch event. We've uh, took some pre-orders for merchandise. So we're hoping to get that get that already for the 5th as well to try and, to dish out to people that have uh, paid already and um, 
have something for people to see who might be waiting to kind of see it before I buy anything. But um, in terms of help, yeah, there's, I probably got so many offers of help if I kind of had to like say no to people <laughs> almost. But um, I think like Todd and Katrina, who are they're going to handle a lot of the match night stuff because it's something they do every every day or every week. Sorry. Um, and Corky's a guy who runs a shop. He's helping me with like kind of the merch side of it. Perfect. Um, but yeah, there's always people in Cardiff are always so keen to help. It's uh, it's always good good to see. And uh, yeah, like you say, I wouldn't be able to do it without them. So hopefully it all comes together and uh, we can put on a good night. And um, a couple other events we got lined up, hopefully, but um, they're going to be after Christmas. So we can we'll talk about those when they happen. Exciting times ahead, especially with um, with the challenge at uh, the Continental Cup this week and then being in the Challenge Cup quarterfinals already you're only six points back in the league it's not it's not that far it could be a very very no. successful season for you boys what do you think is going to be the keys to picking up silverware between now and april um i think just consistency like the the league is such a such a long season you know and we have a like it's kind of like a running joke you say like two two points on a wednesday night in uh, december are the same same as two points in March, you know, against if it, in Sheffield or something. So uh, just kind of the, the challenge is having that mindset every game that it is like a game seven almost, especially given that we are a few points back, we have to really try and try and string a few wins together and uh, limit those losses. Let's go to some cheesy questions and a story for the boys to wrap up. The best player you've ever played with? Best player ever? Ooh. I don't know. I don't want to don't want to piss anyone off. <laughs> you can give a couple if you like. Um oh, who do you think? Obviously, I would say the best best career guys I've played with the best career, probably Shane Morrison, who was here a couple of years ago. He played played in Washington and uh had a couple hundred NHL games under his belt, played with Ovi, which is pretty cool. He's uh he's a scout for New York now, actually. I bumped into him in uh in Finland, which was cool. Yeah, awesome. I mean, that's a pretty good, that's a pretty good answer. Someone with two hundred NHL games under their belt. Yeah. Okay. Who? And this is always a tough one. I tell you what, I'll give you a a, a Cardiff one and a, and a national team one. Who's who's the biggest beauties on those rosters that you played with? Um. Okay. Again, it's hard. You know, so many, <laughs> so many fucking idiots yeah. <laughs> over the years. One one that stands out for me was he was my roommate. I mentioned Mel was Devin Didiamiti. He was um, he was a funny character, but I mean, obviously I had Biz as well. We got Wally and um, yeah, so many so many people throughout the years, and everyone's a beauty in their own in their own sense. You know, just uh, some are a bit more outspoken, but then you have the quiet guys who can also be can also be like uh, hilarious too once you get them on their own. What about the national team? Ooh. I was only there for like three years. I mean, Davy Phillips' name <laughs> pops up quite a lot when oh, I talk yeah. to the boys from the national team. Yeah, that, that probably should have came to mind. He's um, he's he's probably the funniest guy, and like he's such got such a unique sense of humor as well. And he can just like, I think he's like actually quite shy, but like, he just gets kind of when he gets scared, he's he has a whole room of stitches, and it's like a just such a unique character. I don't think he's like someone you would ever like find with a, a similar sense of humor. You know. Yeah, he's a great lad. He definitely, yeah, he up a room. Who is the best coach you've ever played for? Ooh, best coach. 
rather not say and piss anyone off to be honest <laughs> okay <laughs> yeah that, that's fair i mean even just the, the i mean i think we've touched on five coaches today yeah. like lord lordo and then obviously the gb national setup and just it's every every coach is going to bring something different and yeah it's, yeah. A, it's, a, it's, a, it's a tough question <laughs> maybe when i'm retired i'll give you a straight answer but <laughs> Yeah, maybe if you're still playing. Uh, every, every coach I've played for, I kind of they all have a different styles and they all all have different different strengths that um, kind of bring out a different side of you. And some will some will maybe challenge you more. Some will be like more encouraging. Some will kind of leave you alone. It's just uh, different styles, but I think they all uh, they all kind of have the, their best intentions in it for you in the end. Toughest guy you played with or against? Ooh. Well, Mark Lewis at the minute is probably the uh, undisputed heavyweight, but then also who played Bordelow on on our team that year as well. Yeah, he was like tough. One of the toughest in the show the year before, and obviously Biz as well. He was yeah, legit NHL heavy, legit heavy. So like, yeah, I know it's pretty pretty crazy to think some of the guys I've had. Bordelow was fucking tough, man. Jeez. Yeah, he was trying to show me some stuff once after practice, and I like I went to. He was like showing me a grab, and I went to like grab and like poked him in the eye. Oh, but that was not good. I was like, "Sorry, Mister Borderline." <laughs> <laughs> the something we haven't actually touched on throughout the podcast, but you've been known to drop your gloves on an occasion. Is that something that you you, you still have in your game now, or have you you found it kind of diluted itself a little bit as the as the league's got a bit further away from that? Yeah, I think obviously it has dropped off a bit for me personally. It's not something I'm. I'm afraid to do as much as I think fans probably say, but um, it just kind of it happens, and when it does, and um, I'm not going to be I'm not going to be the guy that's going to go out and like look for it really. But if it kind of a situation arises, uh, I'm always willing. It's just um, being a bigger guy as well. You can't really go and like run after someone who's who's a smaller guy. So I think that kind of that comes into it as well. But um, yeah, I think the league league has kind of gone away from it but I think it's, it's still an important part of the game that has to be done at certain times and um, yeah I'm willing to do it if, if need be love that right if you were build, if you were building an NHL franchise who is the one player you would build that franchise around right now um, obvious answer would probably be McDavid but just as a defenseman I must be a bit biased and go towards Kale McCarr because I think he just he has like something that like kind of an X factor you like there aren't really anyone any other defensemen have and I think the way he played in playoffs was just unbelievable. He's so disgusting. He's got, he reminds me of Wally the way you like it's like he's got it's got like a speed burst button on the Xbox controller, which just like glides <laughs> past people like they're not even there. It's phenomenal. It's just like, yeah. Funnily enough, I think out oh, I think we may have been asking this question now for like it was never in the cheesy ones before, but like maybe 20, 25 episodes. And I would go probably sixty to seventy percent of actually said Kale McCarr. Oh, really? Yeah, like <laughs> that was me thinking I was cool. No, but he's me. just he's just so <laughs> so good. And like, yeah, I mean, for me, I I went a different route. I went Vasilevsky, being a Tampa fan, uh, yeah. bu- building from the back. I mean, he's won two cups. That's good, and he took took took, took, yeah. took us to the final. But Kale McCarr's not done winning cups yet. No, that team, I think I have a few more left in them for sure. Absolutely. Right, last one. Story for the boys. Anything that you've left in the locker room, left in the tank, that you want to get out there? Any funny, funny kind of memories from over the years? 
To be honest, when you when I, when you said at the start, the one I was going to say was the biz one, and I kind of used that one already. So I'm not <laughs> sure. Uh, not sure what else comes to mind. I would have should have had a few days to think about it. Um, oh, I don't know. It's always hard because there's so many funny things that happen for a course of a season, and obviously for a course of being there for for so long. What about yeah. you know, like and obviously the other thing is there's stories you know that you can't tell. And there's a lot of them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of them. As Wally says, they stick to the after hours podcast. Oh yeah, like with some of the best stories that we've ever had on this podcast have been once we hit the stop button and yeah. like just shoot the shit with the boys. I mean, we had had Liam Stewart on a couple of times last year. Um, and I can tell it, a funny Wally story, actually. Yeah, let's do it. Friend of I the show. He's probably been told on his podcast or something. But um, as you know, he, his second year here, yeah, he, uh, his knee injury that he was kind of dealing with got to a point where it was like he couldn't really play anymore. Um, so he was sticking around, but he he still wanted to like help out wherever he could. So he would. He was doing this thing where he'd come in the locker room before, like with Dees, and they'd. It'd be like have like helm like uh like superhero masks on and like shields and stuff and just like fire the boys up. <laughs> and I think there was I'm probably butchering the story, but he came we didn't know he came on a fan bus to Manchester. And um when we were we were on the ice warm-ups, he went and hid in the toilet in the in the dressing room. <laughs> but because in Manchester they the ice rink's obviously freezing, but I think they kept the pucks on ice as we went out there for warm-up. Which is fine in the game, but in warm-up, the ice, the glass is getting blasted. So, sure enough, the glass breaks. So we go, we have to get off. We're in the uh, in the dressing room for like twenty minutes. I think we then go back out for a warm-up, come back in. He's been in the, the, to- this toilet, in like this gross dressing room for about an hour, <laughs> fully naked with like spray paint on his body, just waiting for us to come in. And the uh, finally, like Lord, I did his speech, and he's like, "Oh, I got something else." And Molly, like burst out of the toilet we well before this we were like why is the toilet locked like it doesn't even lock <laughs> he, he bursts out like naked or like his body paint on like with some devil horns or something i don't know what he was and like we were like oh what the hell was going on here but um yeah that's uh that's kind of what wally was doing you know when he he couldn't help us on the ice unfortunately but he was he was doing what he could to uh before the games just firing the boys up being a glue guy yeah, with his uh, amazing body. <laughs> By the way, that man does not give a shit. No, <laughs> they did a Wally, appreci- Wally fucking appreciation night down in Cardiff, and he's in there, top off, taps off, swinging it around his yeah. head up in the up in the uh, standing section there, and that that was the minute I knew that I had to get him on the podcast. I was like, I need to get yeah. this guy. I need to get this guy on. He's such a beauty. I think he had the he had the spray paint on, didn't he? And I think that I think he got like lead poisoning because it wouldn't come off for like a week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, using an actual full can of spray paint on your skin is probably not the one. No. Actually, it's been a pleasure, mate. Um, all the best this weekend. Hopefully, you boys go through to the next round. Uh, all the best for the for the rest of the season. It's been a great interview. Thanks for joining Four Thousand, mate. No problem. Long overdue. Thanks for having me. Any any time, mate. Good luck with the testimonial as well. Yeah. Cheers. On a gathering storm comes a tall, handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red.